Adventure Anything. Jeanette Barnes brings you insights from people behind the news and people like you. Now, Venture Anything. Today we're talking with marine scientist Dr. James Carlton, Professor Emeritus at Williams College and Director Emeritus of the Williams Mystic Maritime Studies Program, and Adrienne Pappel, Habitat and Water Quality Program Manager at the Massachusetts Office of Coastal Zone Management. Adrian and Professor Carlton, welcome to Venture Anything. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, in July, they were part of a group of scientists who visited marine locations from Massachusetts to Maine to collect, identify, and count invasive and native species to see what's here now and what it means. Uh, Professor Carlton, could you tell us a little bit about the survey and what it looks for? Yeah, thank you. Um, these, uh, these surveys are part of what we call uh, rapid assessments or rapid assessment surveys, RASs, which have been conducted for a number of years now on uh, both the Pacific and Atlantic coast of the United States. Uh, the rapid assessment surveys four invasive species uh, to keep our finger on the pulse of what's out there, what's arrived, what's new, uh, began in the 1990s uh, in uh, San Francisco Bay. And uh, we began these New England rapid assessment surveys uh, in the year 2000. The purpose is to um, keep an eye on uh, the uh, abundance and distribution of previously known non-native species in the uh, coastal environment and to detect if any new invasions have occurred. Okay, we know you visited um, Pope's Island Marina in New Bedford and uh, Mass Maritime Academy, also pretty local to us. What are some of the other places that you visited in the recent survey? Aiden, um, you want to run that? Sure. So for this survey, we had a little bit of an abbreviated scope. Uh, we were focusing on sites in Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Maine. Um, and so we also visited Sandwich Marina in Sandwich. Uh, we went to Rose Marina, which is in Boston. Um, we went to um, South uh, Freeport, Maine, and also South Portland, Maine. Um, we went to a site in New Hampshire um, at the UNH uh, Research Facility Dock. Um, and then we also went to Salem uh, on the North Shore of Massachusetts. And for the most part, these are sites that we have visited in past surveys, and so that really helps us kind of narrow down a trend um, looking at previous years um, to the current survey year. Okay, and all of these samples were counted and processed at the University of New Hampshire, is that right? Yes. Okay. Um, so, Dr. Carlton, what did you find? What was kind of new or interesting this year? Um, uh, excellent question. Um, the survey was about a month or so ago. So, in fact, many of the samples are still being analyzed. Uh, we had a number of specialists, uh, specialized zoologists who work on just certain groups of organisms uh, um, and uh, botanists as well. And so they often take a lot of their samples back to their uh, laboratories for uh, continued identification and Often in the uh, rapid assessment nature of the work, where the living samples are processed every evening at the end of a long day, it's not really possible to identify everything um, to species level uh, at that time. So samples are still being analyzed. Um, at this time, 
we did not discover any new larger species, uh, sort of fist size, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, uh, in the um, in the coast that we looked at from uh, South Seaport, Maine, down to New, New Bedford. Um, uh, but we expect to hear um, about the results of many smaller species sometime in the next couple of months. Okay, so in some cases, they're so small and there are so many similar ones that it can be difficult or take time to actually identify what they are, right? And often uh, these days we need to use genetic techniques, molecular genetic techniques, to distinguish uh, species that look quite uh, quite similar morphologically. So uh, some of that genetic work will also be done uh, uh, in the near future, and uh, we hope to get the results. Um, These surveys, again, are are to um, keep an eye on previous invaders and their distribution and where they are and so on, and also to look for any uh, new invaders that we might be expecting from uh, uh, elsewhere around the world. Uh, The last survey was done about five years ago uh, in the same region, and um, it's good to see that we didn't find um, anything, um, uh, you know, again, um, fist size or bigger that we thought was new, um, but um, these surveys form incredibly important baselines uh, 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 for our understanding of the, of the coastal uh, zone. Could you talk a little bit about some of the invasive species that we know are here now in the marine environment? Sure. Um, we have quite a few um, uh, uh, along the uh, New England coast, of, uh, uh, ranging from uh, sea anemones uh, to uh, small crustaceans, to groups of organisms not so familiar to the general public, moth animals, uh, bryozoans, uh, they're called. And um, uh, and some of them are actually aspect dominant. Particularly common are organisms called sea squirts, which are uh, um, rather conspicuous, uh, multicolored. Uh, they occur as solitary individuals or in, in colonies. And uh, we found um, uh, many of these species to be quite abundant at our sites, uh, these are species that have been arriving on this coast for many decades. Okay, Adrian, could you talk a little bit about how invasive species get here and how they crowd out um, other organisms, native native organisms? Sure. So in New England, um, because we have such a rich kind of past historical history with aquaculture, a lot of the species that we know now to be invasive were moved in association with oysters. Um, When the oyster population declined up this way, um, other oyster species were moved from different areas and hitchhiking organisms, um, other species that are living on the oyster shell itself, ended up being introduced into our area. One good example of that is an algae called dead man's fingers or codium which is very um, prevalent and very distinct. Um, Other major sources of transportation of these species, which we call vectors, are ballast water from ships and also hull fouling, which is an organism is actually kind of hitching a ride on the bottom of the ship. And through history, now that we have, you know, technological advances that make shipping much faster than it was uh, in past decades, um, a better number of species are surviving this passage. We do have management strategies for things like ballast water to kind of reduce the amount of species that are coming over um, in those vectors, um, but they still um, 
are arriving. And then you have other um, more localized mechanisms. Boats moving from different regions along the coast might be uh, enabled spreading um, species um, up. Um, also, um, you know, intentional introductions or accidental introductions, um, someone kind of dumping their fish tank out. Um, the lionfish is also thought to have been um, invaded south to our area from uh, when a storm came through and an aquarium released some water that had some lionfish in it. So there's a multitude of ways um, that the species get here, but in the invasion definition it has to be that humans brought them over in some way. They wouldn't naturally be able to make their way to the location that they are now. Mm, okay. And then can you talk a little bit about what happens once they're here, how they compete with um, other species? Right. So in the marine realm, especially for species that are sessile, meaning that they don't move, it's really important for them to find a patch of space to attach to so that they can do their basic functions like feeding, like filter feeding. And so what happens a lot of times is these species come in and the invaders are very, they have certain ecological traits that allow them to attach quickly, spread quickly, overgrow other organisms. And so they're really taking away the space that's needed for our native species. We also have a lot of examples, uh, particularly some of the crabs, like the Asian shore crab or green crab that are invaders, that are actually preying on, you know, species such as mollusks, important commercial species such as blue mussels, soft-shell clams. Um, they can also be a vector to spread disease. Some of the oysters um, that have come in have also um, been a vector to spread some non-native oyster disease. So the impacts are also variable as well. Um, some ecological impacts are also that it makes it harder for fishermen to catch the fish that they want or it makes more work for them on their lobster traps when it's covered in an invasive tunicate, for example. Okay, Dr. Carlton, I'm wondering if there's anything that this research can tell us about climate change. Uh, yes, one of the um, one of the purposes of the rapid assessment surveys are also to uh, create a continual baseline of uh, both native and introduced species at any one site. And what we expect for um, southern New England is uh, the arrival, a steady arrival of species uh, from the south mediated by the warming climate and the warming waters in particular. So um, uh, what we're going to be seeing um, at these sites over the decades, and it will be an important part of the, um, of the database of the rapid assessments, uh, is uh, the arrival of species that typically occur <clears throat> well south of us in the Chesapeake area um, and even further south. We detected those already in, in previous surveys in uh, summer months, but what the future will hold is that a number of these southern species will be gaining uh, more permanent access to our waters of Long Island Sound and Cape Cod and, the, and this general region. Uh, basically, this is a phenomenon called Chesapeake Creek, and mm. it's the steady and perhaps inexorable arrival, <coughs> excuse me, the inexorable arrival of species from the south. And so, yes, uh, the rapids has been given us a very good sense of um, what climate change might hold for the future of the uh, animals and plants of the coastal zone. 
Is there anything that can be done to stop invasive species, perhaps not the ones coming because of climate change, but the other ones? Uh, Adrian's already mentioned that uh, we uh, have a growing body of, of um, management and regulatory frameworks uh, for uh, species uh, that might be arriving in ballast water of ships from um, uh, overseas. Uh, those uh, ballast water regulations have been uh, forming and um, uh, uh, for many many years and are now are now coming into play. Um, the species that attach to the bottoms of, sh- of the ships, following organisms on the hull, that is also uh, receiving greater and greater attention. So there is um, uh, growing um, growing concern that as we see new invasions, both uh, in the United States and around the world, that that management actions need to become <clears throat> um, uh, much much stronger uh, in order to prevent uh, new invasions that could have some. Uh, very serious economic and environmental consequences. Okay, and uh, probably one last question for each of you. Uh, is there, what do you think the public should know? What's, what else is important that perhaps I haven't asked you because I'm not the expert on this topic? Adrian, why don't you go first? Sure. Well, I would say um, first, um, though we do find non-native species in our waters and they do appear to be increasing, the primary thing that we're finding during these surveys are native species. So about, you know, 80 to 70 percent of the species that we're finding are native. So it's not all dire. The other thing I'd like the public to know is that there are common sense things that an individual can do to prevent the spread of non-native species in the marine realm and also other areas. One would be never release a live animal to the the outside. Um, don't release bait or fish products or um, use seafood um, into the marine waters. Um, having practical um, cleaning for if you're going to one location to another, if you're able to kind of clean, uh, rinse off your boat from going from one location to another. I know that's not always feasible. But there are things that an individual can do um, to prevent these species, and we have some ideas um, listed on our cesium website. Okay, great. Um, Dr. Carlton, same question to you. Um, I, uh, I certainly second uh, Adrian's points um, and adding that uh, uh, the public can play an uh, absolutely critical role here in in detecting new invasions, um, the, the um, public are, have been our eyes on the coast for a long time. And at any one time, there are far more citizen scientists uh, out there and fisher people and, and kayakers uh, uh, watching the coast, walking the beaches, um, uh, looking along the shore, uh, far more than there are scientists. So uh, people who are familiar with the region... Um, uh, who um, uh, know the local animals and plants and see something different. Um, someone uh, at a marina, uh, on, in a tide pool, uh, on a beach, if they see something different that they've never seen before, that's been absolutely key in alerting us uh, when a new species um, uh, might be arriving. So uh, the citizens can, uh, the public can um, contact uh, Massachusetts uh, the um, Coastal Zone Management Office, uh, their local um, Sea Grant office, 
and uh, alert us to when they see something new. And just to add to um, Jim's comments, we do run at CZM a citizen science program for monitoring marine invasive species. And since the rapid assessment surveys every kind of three, four, or five years, well, you know, we use the information that's derived from the survey to educate regular citizens that are interested in monitoring their environment. And we have a um, program um, that monitors a select number of species. We educate groups. We have about over, you know, hundreds of volunteers all the way up and down the coast in New England. Um, and so if someone is interested in finding out more about these species, but also just the marine species that are in their environment, I encourage them to, to contact us. Great. Okay. Thank you so much, um, Adrienne Papel and Dr. James Carlton. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you.